to Vets Up State. I'm Andrea. And I'm Roger. And we're going to be talking about what's going on in New York and in the greater Veterans and Service uh, universe today. So, Roger, what, uh, what's going on in New York State this week? Oh, I don't know if you've seen the news. Just a small state public servant who disgraced himself. Um, we're, of course, talking about Attorney General Schneiderman. Um, just a difficult thing to process as a human being, I think. And luckily, um, resigning swiftly, um, as was called for by the governor and every party and every person who uh, read the New York New Yorker story, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was gone. He resigned within about three hours of it becoming public, and and. And something something that we've been talking about offline, kind of as just as, as service oriented people, is if if you knew that, that was in your past, why would you take that office? Yeah, like maybe stick to um, I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of a job where that would even be appropriate to have in your past. I don't know. Maybe just seek help. Well, seek treatment. Yes. And, you know, it, it's very reminiscent of, of a challenge that we're having in the military right now. So um, the military has a sexual assault epidemic. And what has been adding to that is that, as it turns out, there have been a number of cases, particularly in the Air Force and the Marine Corps most recently, where individuals who were in charge of managing sexual assault programs ended up being perpetrators themselves. Yeah. How messed up is that? It's 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 pretty messed up, right? I mean, the where do we even? How do you even begin with that, right? Like, I think we just need people in the service who are good people. If you're not a good person, if you think sexual assault is okay, if you think that some people are subservient to other people, um, it's time to get out, um, do something else. Um, but in the meantime, it's time to find these people and, and get them out of the service. I think. Right. And, and, you know, in it, perpetrators and, 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 you know, people who do wrong are across the political spectrum. Um, and I think one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is something that we learn. I'm, I'm sure that we learned this in OCS. Do you have JJ did tie buckle? No. Oh, okay. So teach me, <laughs> teach me your OCS ways. So JJ did tie buckle is a. Can you spell that? No, I have to. I might forget some of those. Okay, I have that's to fine. Google it. Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot on a podcast. That's um, the <laughs> see, I was thinking that they taught this the Naval Academy, and you could just help me with this. But it is a um, mnemonic device and a means to memorize a couple of different. Um, tenets of leadership and one of them is integrity and um, if you don't have your integrity you have nothing and that 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 is something that is the number one way to get kicked out of really any military training mm-hmm. environment whatsoever um, which is why it's also incredibly disconcerting to you know neither of us are lawyers but we both some Roger's married to a lawyer. Roger's married to a lawyer. My parents are lawyers, and we certainly um, have spoken to, you know, many of our friends are, and this is something we talk about frequently. You know, integrity is, and ethics are really fundamental to what we do. And so, um, 
it, it, I, I'm, go on, do you want to take this one? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like at a loss for words over this. It really, and I think everyone who's come across this story mm-hmm. is, and I think when I think about someone like uh, Schneiderman, and I think about the parallels that we see, you know, mm-hmm. in the military service and the veterans community, um, a lot of the time, you know, and, and I guess it depends on your view of, you know, elected officials at the state level in New York, right? But generally, we think of these people as good people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who end up being perpetrators come across as perfectly normal, upstanding people. I think Schneiderman had tweeted and showed his support for the Me Too movement, yeah. um, which just makes this even more tragic. And I feel like as a, as a man in this space, as somebody who tries to be you know, supportive and be an ally every day, right? Like it just does us a massive disservice because, you know, who can you trust really? And, and it's something that I'm I'm reminded of something that, um, you know, I may be the only person in the universe who watched turn. Um, (laughs) you're the only person in this room right now. I'm the only person in this room who's watched turn. Um, which was an American, uh, a, it was on AMC, it ended last summer, and it was about the American Revolution. And a lot of it took place in New York State mm. during the Revolution. And in the very last episode, um, the main character is saying, you know, good and evil exists in everyone and in all places. And that, that, that there's, this is a great example of someone who was doing this incredible work, but turned out to be someone who not only just lacked integrity, but, um, you know, really was just very, very cruel to other people. And one of the challenges that we have seen in the military with perpetrators of sexual violence not being held accountable is the, well, he's a good sailor, he's a good soldier, I really need him for this project. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how do we really change our thinking from that to holding people accountable um, no matter what other good that they are doing. Yeah. Um, this is depressing and I think it's time to move on from yeah, this topic. Yeah, so what else? This is, a, this is a topic though I think that we will come back to because it is a problem and it affects people inside the service, affects people outside the service. Yes. But um, uh, we should mention too that this is so. This is our first full-length podcast. It's exciting. Um, we're happy to be here. Um, and let's talk about what what are we drinking? I think we're drinking the same thing we were drinking in our introductory episode. Yes, yeah, so we've got that. you know we've got the six. You got to get through the six pack eventually. So we are drinking. Let's be honest. It's like a twenty-four pack. Oh, is it really? Graft. <laughs> Graft Cider from Newburgh, New York, um, which is um, about, that's a, Newburgh is about 90 minutes south from where I live. There you go. Yes. So um, there are a lot of cideries and distilleries that have popped up in upstate New York over the last few years um, because of a legislative change that we can talk about and focus in on another episode, but... Um, it's really good. <laughs> it is. It is very good. Um, I'm drinking the Lost Tropic, and I think, what are you drinking? F- farm Floor. Mm, that's mm-hmm. very apropos. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, back to upstate New York, I think, um, you know, we talked about uh, something bad that happened, but um, I'd like to recognize uh, a state assemblyman uh, retiring this year. Bob Oaks was has been my assemblyman 
um, since I can remember having a state assemblyman, wow. and he is uh, retiring uh, this year. Um, he is basically Wayne County's assemblyman, so um, mostly rural, but uh, proud people. And I just want to say thanks to Bob Oaks for your service to the state uh, and for always just being a good person. I think in our current state of leadership in the public space, we just get distracted by shiny objects, especially the shiny, annoying ones on Twitter. And it's important to remember that good people still exist in government and we should amplify them. And we're losing one, I think, in Bob Oaks. And I hope that we replace him with with someone who is great. Thank you for your decency. Yes, absolutely. And so we also wanted to provide, make some uh, shout outs to um, some of our some of our friends and colleagues who are working really hard out there. Um, so I'd like to give a shout out to Jackie Munn. She's a fellow Tillman scholar. Yes. Um, she is an Army veteran, a nurse practitioner, and a mom living in Washington D.C. Oh my gosh! How and, do you do all that? <laughs> and. She just published her first article, nice. um, a personal essay in The War Horse today, um, and it's about an experience that she had while deployed to Afghanistan, so I highly recommend you check it out. Nice job, Jackie. And we should also say uh, it's refreshing to see Lauren Katzenberg uh, at the helm there as well, who is from Task and Purpose, so uh, everyone's favorite editor uh, now at the Times, so Mm -hmm. that's that's a big deal for our community, I think. Um, also, congratulations goes out to Mackenzie Wolf, who tweets as at Coffee Shop Jihad, which may be my favorite Twitter handle, I think, yeah. um, who just accepted a position with the American Legion, um, which is awesome. Um, Mackenzie, congratulations. Congratulations, Mackenzie. Um, so we'll move on to uh, what we're going to talk about today. Um, Andrea's here in Washington, D.C. again. And she is uh, talking about veterans' health care. Yes. So it's really important to remember that the Department of Veterans Affairs has three branches, and only one of them is the Veterans Health Administration. The other is the, Vener- uh, the Veterans Benefits Administration, which administers VA loans, the GI Bill, um, your actual claims. And then the third is the National Cemeteries Commission. Hmm. Um, However, what's often the focus of the conversation is the VHA. Um, The VHA is very complicated, and in addition, you know, you see VA hospitals. That's um, a much more visible, much more tangible branch of the VA. Um, And quite frankly, a great deal of legislation is on, you know, be in markup right now um, in Congress um, related to VHA. Uh, just this week, yesterday, the markup was held for HR five six seven four, which is called the Mission Act. Mm-hmm. Um, it was introduced by Congressman David Rowe from Tennessee, and it, um, among other things, um, consolidates veterans' community care and um, appropriates five point two billion dollars to the Veterans Choice Funding. Um, which was going to run out of funding by the end of May. Um, The president has indicated that he would sign the bill and um, that he wishes to do so in time for Memorial Day at the end of the month. Mm. So is this something that you think is going to help people, especially where we're from, rural uh, 
areas of the country who are accessing veterans' health uh, services? I think it will, but it's a Band-Aid. Um, first of all, it's, it's important to know that community care is a long-standing program. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so that veterans can get care in the community if it's either not available or there is some kind of undue hardship, um, distance, access to transportation, disability, that may hinder them from getting to their local VA facility. Right. Um, The Veterans Choice Program was created as a Band-Aid in 2014 in response to the wait time scandal. Um, It's always been a Band-Aid, and so a lot of the challenges in VA Choice have not really been fully addressed. Um, And one one that really fundamentally affects our neighbors in upstate New York is billing. Mm Not every healthcare provider accepts VA Choice because of the rate that they pay. VA Choice is not paying providers on time. And then um, veterans who never should have received a bill in the first place are then put in the position of having to pay a medical bill that should have been paid for by the VA and they will not be reimbursed if they pay it themselves or for the bills going into collections. Um, and this is not something that's not fully resolved, and I can say that it's not been fully resolved because a couple of weeks ago I received a bill oh, <laughs> for care through <laughs> VA Choice. And um, fortunately, that issue has been resolved. I made a couple of phone calls, um, had a couple of colleagues you know, in my network who were able to help intervene on my behalf. Not everyone has that, and once again... That bill never should have been mailed to me in the first place. Yep. So what's the what kind of message does this send to veterans, especially upstate New York veterans? Is the message, hey, don't pay your medical bills? Or is the message, uh, you know, call your congressman and have them fix this gap in policy or, or in, uh, in, in, in law and in legislation? That's a great question. The number one thing you should do is call your, your elected representatives, call your congressmen or co- congresswomen, call your senators. Um, they may not, they don't know that it's a problem unless you tell them. Um, I've had the uh, great opportunity to serve on a nonpartisan veterans advisory committee for my district. And in those meetings, it's very clear that Many of these issues that are common knowledge within the veterans community are only common knowledge within the veterans community. So don't assume that your um, elected representative knows. Um, And even if they do know, they may not realize the extent of the problem unless you speak up. So um, members of Congress from, from both parties as well as independents work very, very hard to support their individual constituents. Um, uh, particularly, particularly veterans. So, so I highly encourage you to speak up if you're having challenges with this program. Right, and I think it's important to note that if you're hesitant to speak up, you don't have to do so individually as an island. I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of um, good resources and outlets. Um, if you're on social media, they are reasonably easy to find. Um, the American Legion and VFW and sort of those longstanding veteran service organizations uh, can help. We talked uh, Mackenzie Wolf heading over there uh, to the American Legion. Um, but 
this isn't something where you should feel like I'm alone in this because I think a lot of veterans are feeling mm-hmm. uh, the healthcare pinch um, in their own way, in their own capacity. Um, so um, if your hesitancy is to speak up because you don't want to be wrong or uh, you think that someone else is taking care of it, um, don't assume that necessarily. And I would say reach out and um, you know, become part of that community and the community uh, of veterans together, I think, uh, can, can tackle this issue. That's right. And so something else that, that I would also not hesitate to bring up is some of these everyday challenges that you may be experiencing. Um, another example from this, from this meeting was, you know, and something that this, this um, legislation doesn't do is it doesn't resolve an existing challenge um, that veterans who use the VA are facing, which particularly affects rural veterans, which is that Heck, you know, it would be great if all of my appointments were on the same day. You, you have one provider right, who's yeah. only at that clinic on Wednesday and another that you have to see who's only there on a Tuesday. Yeah. And if you have to drive a couple of hours to the VA clinic, that's not going to do, do you much good. Right. And so there's, there's, not re- there's no legislation right now that currently addresses that, yeah. that potential gap in care. Yeah, we can just go ahead and call that a huge pain in the ass uh, <laughs> for upstate veterans, right? And that's, uh, <clears throat> that's where we, I think we need uh, veteran support is to identify stuff like this where it mm-hmm. exists and to say, hey, uh, I know you're doing this in good faith, but uh, understand that there are veterans out here, uh, especially in upstate New York, rural places across the country, mm-hmm. who are sort of feeling the bind of... Um, a system that maybe doesn't make sense up here, might make sense in cities, it might make sense in you know, New York City, maybe in Albany, but um, not everywhere. And policy should reflect that. I think we can create mm-hmm. flexible policy. Yes. And something that the Mission Act does do is it authorizes telehealth, which I think will be very, very beneficial to, um, to a, a a great number of veterans. Yeah, that's a great point. In the future, uh, we're looking to have a lot of really great guests. Um, And like we mentioned in the introductory episode, uh, we want to highlight and amplify as many voices, as many stories as possible. Because just like healthcare, uh, the experiences of veterans both in the service and then also outside the service, transitioning back home or maybe to a new place entirely, are varied, they're important, and we want to hear them. So um, we are looking forward to having some great guests uh, coming up. If you'd like to be a guest, uh, reach out to either one of us. You can find us on Twitter, where we live. Um, Thankfully, they don't make us pay rent yet. (laughs) Hashtag net neutrality. Um, But uh, we're looking forward to that. So uh, Andrea, What's next? What's next for you? Uh, once we push stop on this podcast recording here, what are you? What are you? What are you doing next? So I'm getting on a plane and going up to Boston, which is where I've been in graduate school for the last two years. Um, and I graduate in ten days. I have fulfilled all the requirements. My capstone is on my transcript. Um, have you ordered your cap and gown? I purchased my cap and gown secondhand from someone who graduated last year, so I just need to buy the tassel from the bookstore. Mm. Um, I'm using mine as a bookmark these days. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Yeah, thank you, GI. I'm looking forward to using the hashtag GI Bill Grad Tillman Scholar because um, thank you to the GI Bill, the Yellow Ribbon Program, and the Pat Tillman Foundation. I am graduating with a master's degree with, that cost me personally zero dollars and with no debt. Um, and that's that's a beautiful thing. Yes, it is. And congratulations to you. Thank uh, you. Do you want to talk maybe a little bit uh, for folks who don't know what the Pat Tillman Foundation is? Yes. What, uh, what, what is the draw there? Because I think it's a fantastic organization. So the Pat Tillman Foundation is a nonprofit organization that provides... Uh, scholarships to um, current and former service members and uh, military spouses nice. who are attaining um, who are attaining post-secondary education. Um, so, bachelor a four-year bachelor's degree or higher within the United States, cool. um, and you have to be a, a full-time mm-hmm. in-residence uh, student to do that. So, um, it's not, but it's not just. A scholarship program. It's a community. It's a family. Um, and I've been reflecting lately about, um, you know, friends that I made in grad school or friends that I made because of grad school. Right. And the friends that I made through the Pat Tillman Foundation um, are, are some of the closest friends that I've made since leaving the service. Um, just since we've been sitting here, about three of them have been texting me. Yes. It's very distracting. Please <laughs> about, stop texting Andrew. About various just other things <laughs> we're talking about. One of them, um, who we hope to have on as a guest, has been sending us pictures of various hot sauces that um, one can get in upstate New York. Yeah, but she's a Red Sox fan. We'll she's talk about that yeah, later. We don't want to talk that. about but, bad um, things now. But the Pat Tillman Foundation, um, the application cycle opens every year in February. Um, so always keep that on your radar um, if if you're inter- if you are going to be obtaining higher education. Yeah, that's fantastic, and I think uh, these communities exist all over the place, and it's nice mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, Pat Tillman is uh, is has gotten the you know the reach that it has. Yeah. Um, I was not a Pat Tillman scholar, but I know many Pat Tillman scholars, and 100% of them are fantastic people. So uh, I think that's fantastic. It's really about um, living on Pat's legacy of service, leadership, and action. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of the Yankees, I think we should let people know that we're both pretty ardent. New York Yankees fans. Yes. And no, we're not going to apologize for it. So no, uh, you're going to have to deal with that. Sorry. I think they've won what, like 162 games in a row at this point? I'm sure. Just, <laughs> sure. I'm sure joking. they have. She's giving me the face like, have they really? Because that seems like <laughs> a lot seem, of baseball games. It seems games. like statistically impossible. Um, They're on a bit of a tear. Which they are you on would a expect. bit of they are on a bit of a tear. I had tickets to tonight's game in Yankee Stadium, and I could not go <laughs> because because life choices. Hashtag life choices. That's oh, why, right? I know. Um, are we both Bills fans? We are. Oh, oh we are okay. Both Bills fans. Okay. Well, this is so you know this is this is always what we said growing up, right? Like, where I was a Bills fan, Sabres fan. Syracuse fan, obviously. Um, we get the Yankees. Okay, we get to be Yankees fans because we need <laughs> some success. And that's not to say, you know, uh, fantastic season for Buffalo this year. Syracuse basketball is always good. So seasonally, 
we usually have pretty good rooting interest, but uh, being a Yankees fan is a special uh, special treat it's, it's gift, for our family. Yeah. I still haven't been to the new stadium. Are you? I need it's to go. It's been since like 2009. Let me tell you about growing up in Red Creek, New York, okay? Going to Syracuse was like, you know, going to the big, the big city. For, for me, right? Going to New York City was like going to a different planet. So um, I'm working through it. Yeah, I got And you. I'm also, now that I have a daughter, right, I'm trying to like, you know, I want her first baseball game to be uh, the brain at New York City. Right, well, it's not, it's not, it's a legacy. Right, okay. <laughs> Phrasing matters. Um, but yeah, uh, we're hoping to make a trip up to new Yankee Stadium this summer, which I guess we can just call. Yankee Stadium because it's just regular Yankee yeah, Stadium. Unfortunately, it's now just. Thank regular. you for reminding me that I am old officially. I uh, know, but there is a softball field across the uh, where where the old stadium was. So fantastic. Yes. Um, and the Bills looking on the up and up, um, a playoff for, season for real this time. For <laughs> real, for real. Um, I feel like as a Yankees fan, my expectations start out very high. As a Bills fan, they start out the opposite. Yeah. Um, and it was a nice treat to see them go to the playoffs. My parents actually were here in D.C., where my wife and I were on station now uh, for the time being. And uh, we watched the game together, and it was uh, it was really nice. So um, so that was good. Um, we're not really talking about what's next for me because, honestly, it's just continuing the transition, the uh, long, slow, steady transition uh, to what's after the Navy for me, but uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your, uh, you know, a little bit about your decision to leave the Navy? Mm, yes, this is a this is an interesting uh, an interesting topic for sure. So um, you know, I've served probably for about ten years now, um, and when I left Red Creek and, and went to Annapolis, and then even at Annapolis, I didn't really think that I would serve longer than you know, whatever our minimum service commitment I think was five years. Um, my father was a National Guard, uh, Army National Guard uh, officer in New York. I uh, just retired last year after 27 years. Um, my brother did four or five years in the Army, ROTC, my, my younger brother. Uh, but here I am now at 10 years, and um, it's, I think, time to do something else. Um, recently had an op-ed uh, in the Syracuse, uh, the Post Standard at Syracuse, talking about veterans uh, entrepreneurship and that's something that I'm definitely passionate about um, we can if we have show notes I don't know we don't have a website yet we will have one but uh, you know New York is not very good outside of New York City mm-hmm. at promoting veterans and business creation yeah. and it's a real tragedy because the uh, property is cheap the schools are wonderful in upstate and central New York. And we're very close to New York City. Uh, the access to capital that you would need as an entrepreneur uh, is right there. So um, there was another great op-ed uh, today, recently in the, the Post Standard about you know what we need to do to bring young people and bring veterans back to the central New York area where I'm from. I thought that was fantastic. Um, so that's what I, I hope to do is uh, use my powers for good, you know, I've been involved in Defense Entrepreneurs Forum and various organizations dedicated to working on the margins and working on the sidelines in our free time to um, promote an entrepreneurial way of doing business in the Department of Defense. And it's been successful, I think, so far. Um, and so I think it can be successful in places like Central New York. And I'm going to try to do it uh, and see what happens from there. So 
Uh, it's been a great 10 years in the Navy, though. I mean, I can't imagine any other career. I don't know about you. I can, I can, they did, but... <laughs> I, but this, Here we are. That's why we have this podcasts. Is the thing, but this is the thing, though. I wouldn't have done it any other way. And that's something that... Uh, that's that's something to really think about, is even... Um, I, I get asked off frequently if I miss the Navy, because I speak very frequently about it. Um, I don't. I don't miss being on active duty for a second. I also wouldn't have left a second sooner than I did. Yeah. Um, and... Um, I think that's something that doesn't get um, discussed nearly enough, um, especially for people like us who stayed longer than we needed to but left earlier than um, than retirement is is thinking about um, you know what is going to be best for you to when you're when making a, any career transition is scary, but essentially going from this kind of closed community back out into the world is is. Um, challenging and certainly even more so if you're going to jump um, to a rural area. Yep. Um, and that's something that, that we are doing and, um, and have done and will share with you our bits of knowledge along the way. Yeah. I mean, there are experiences mm-hmm. and everyone's are different, mm-hmm. but uh, it's good to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly. you know part of what we're hoping to do here. So, um, this has been fun, Andrea. Yes. I think uh, in in future episodes, you may hear one of us on a telephone. Uh, that's fine. Um, we're experimenting a little bit with our recording software and our editing. Uh, so just bear with us until we get to something that we like and you like. Um, but we're looking forward to future episodes where we'll talk about things like the GI Bill and how to manage your GI benefits um, how to avoid the trap of uh, for-profit yep. schools, which is a big issue uh, today with the Department of Education. Um, we'll be talking about uh, veterans' mental health, uh, gender perspectives, you know, leadership in the military, um, how you can contribute back home. So we've got a whole list of topics. We've got a whole list of guests uh, to come onto the show, and uh, I guess we can call it a show now. We've yeah. done an episode. We have. We How have. does that feel? It feels pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, I don't know if I want to listen to this afterwards. <laughs> One of us is going to have to edit this, and uh, I don't. Maybe I'll just put your. Maybe it'll be like uh, the siren song. I don't know. <laughs> right. You're going right. to have to. Uh, I guess. What is it like? Wrap me around the mast of the ship. I don't know. Like, just tape me. I guess. Oh yeah, when you're going by, like the the sirens, like it's a, it's the Odyssey. Great. We're also going to work on our metaphors for future episodes. <laughs> Good job. Um, but uh, Andrea, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Roger. You too. And folks, we will see you next time on Two Vets Upstate. Have a good one.